This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure to danger. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. I wonder if we could turn those blowers up here down. It's so loud. And uh, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. So says Helen Keller. Helen Keller, who was blind, you know, she couldn't speak. She learned how to communicate through Braille and through sign language in her hand. And she is the one that was talking about this life of real high adventure and, and, and not being so secure and so safe, which kind of is an illusion sometimes. Um, think about what talents, you know, Christ has entrusted to you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, as we kind of pick up where we left off last week, and it says here, yes, everything else is worthless. Everything else is worthless, which means insignificant, useless, empty, hollow, it's like casting stuff overboard to lighten a sinking ship. You know, if, when your ship is going down and the only way to keep it floating is just to throw all the excess stuff off, you start throwing stuff away. It's no longer valuable to you. So, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Listen to this passage here nothing you know compares says yes everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing knowing Christ Jesus my Lord verse 10 says I want to know Christ I want to know Christ I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead you know what? Part of my uh, get up this VBA, I always have a hatchet on me. It's just part of my outdoorsy stuff. And you know what? This is an awesome hatchet. It really is a very good hatchet. I don't know if you can buy a better hatchet than this. It's really, really good. I often use it as a knife. I can shave wood with it and carve things with it and cut up a steak with it. I mean, it's really an awesome hatchet, you know? Tremendous power is found in this hatchet. It's the best that man can make. I like to feel the power in my hand when it comes to chopping down a tree, making firewood, and doing all. I mean, it's just like great power in my hand. But you know something? Sometimes we think that's the best we got. The scripture here says, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. There's power in this hatchet. Let me see if I brought my other little thing here. <laughs> but there's a lot more power in this Husqvarna professional line chainsaw. This thing right here almost cuts trees down by itself. We heat our home with wood. So we know. And I'm going to tell you, as nice as this hatchet is, it's a bit really about the best that man can make, and it is a fantastic hatchet. I mean, it's something 
that you want to leave to your, the next generation. But there is not anywhere near the power in that hatchet is, is in this Husqvarna chainsaw. This is amazing. The, the, the logs you can whack up and put them into the, your shed and heat your home with it. It is absolutely amazing. The power is astounding. And I'm going to tell you something right here, right now. This scripture says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and I to experience. To live our life in the power of the resurrection. That resurrection power is available to you and me. I want to know Christ. And knowing Christ is to have access to that resurrection power that changes things in your life. And changes things in the lives of those who are in the sphere of your influence. I'm telling you that. Oh, it's a fantastic verse. I've got to read it one more time. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience a mighty power. Not just hear somebody tell me about it. I want to experience it myself. To experience the power that raised him from the dead. Let me read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. Here, let me, uh, since I didn't find my other pulpit there, let me put this one up here. Just don't have my glasses on. All right. It says in the Amplified Bible, verse 10, it says, For my determined purpose, and the word determined means resolute, strong. It means single-minded, unwavering. For my resolute, single-minded, unwavering purpose is that I may know him and experience that resurrection power. Oh, that I might know him. For my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively, which means more and more and more and more and more. My determined purpose is that I may know him and that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately, personally acquainted with Jesus Christ. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders, the, the marvel, the awe of his person more strongly and more clearly and that I may in the same way come to know the power, that resurrection power outflowing from his resurrection. You and I can know and experience Christ. You and I can know and experience that resurrection power in our life. I'm talking about a high adventure. God has got fantastic, a high adventure, not just to have fun, but to live with him and to walk with him and be an extension of his hand while we're here upon this earth. John chapter 17, verse 3. And here Jesus is talking to his father about us. And he says, and this, and this is eternal life. This is the way to have eternal life. And this is eternal life that they may know you. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He's talking about himself. And this is eternal life, to know God. If you have eternal life, you know God. If you don't know God, you don't have eternal life. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. A worldly mind just doesn't quite get it. 
thinking of eternal life as the everlasting happiness of a self-centered soul. Eternal life is not the everlasting happiness of just a selfish, you know, person. That's, that's, that's not eternal life. But it's, it, it's nothing of that kind at all. It's fellowship with God. Eternal life is fellowship with God. A self-centered soul doesn't find that. It, it's when our focus is, I want to know God. I want to know God and the power of his resurrection. I want to experience that. And it is available to every man, woman, boy, and girl. There's something that burns in my heart to know God better every day of my life and to experience that resurrection power while we're here on this planet. And one day with him, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son, Jesus. The way you get eternal life is by having Jesus in your life. He says it really clear. And this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life, this eternal life is in his son, Jesus. Verse 12 says, and he who has, talking about has a relationship. He who has the son, he has a relationship with the son. His name is Jesus. And he who has the son has life. And he who does not have the Son, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You just got to believe and receive Christ into your life. These things I have written to you. I, I don't know if you've been reading the things that God wrote to us or not. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name. Everybody say name. Name. These things I've written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God. His name is Jesus. That you may know. These things I've written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. You read the Bible. You study the Bible. And you can know that you 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 you have eternal life. Not just, well, I hope I'm going to have it one day. I I just hope I will. I've, I've had people... Right here in this community, tell me, well, you, Pastor Ron, you can't know for sure that you're going to heaven. I said, absolutely, I can. I said, Pastor Ron, you just can't know for sure that you're going to go to heaven. You're not, you can't know if you're going to have eternal life. You got to wait until you die. And then when you go to heaven, you stand before God and God's going to weigh your good against your bad. And, uh, you know, that's how he determines where you get into heaven. That is a life from the pits of hell. Jesus went to the cross and he died for my sins. And we've all missed the mark. We've all sinned and fallen short. That's what the Bible says. And the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. And he gives us this gift of God through his son. His name's Jesus. He went to the cross in your place. He went to the cross. He was your whipping boy. He took the bullet for you. He pushed you out of the highway as that car struck him, saved your life. That's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about right here. He says that that Jesus, eternal life comes with Jesus. Now, a child can come up to you and say, you know, uh, you can't possibly know what you're having for lunch. So, oh, yes, I can. I know what I'm going to have for lunch. You can't possibly know what you're going to have for lunch. They say that because they don't know what they're going to have for lunch. I can say, well, listen, my mama is cooking lunch. 
and I got a real good relationship with mama, and she done told me what she's going to fix me for lunch. So don't tell me I can't know because I do know. And the Bible says Jesus has written us, he's given us his word so we can know that we have eternal life. And just because somebody don't know, it don't mean that it's not knowable. We have a relationship with Almighty God and He is telling us and showing us and revealing wonderful, fantastic things to us. Anyhow, let me read verse 13 again. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of Jesus, the Son of God. I'm going to tell you. I'm constantly reading in the Bible. It talks about the name, the name, the name, the name of Jesus. People were healed in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, just by when someone laid their hands on them and said in the name of Jesus. Happens in this day and time. Just there's power in his name. Even after he was crucified and risen from the dead, there's power in his name. And it says, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, and this is his will, you want to know what God's will for you is? It's a book that he made sure that we all had a copy of. It's written in different languages and different translations so we can understand it. And he says in verse 14, now this is a confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, if we ask anything according to his will, well, how am I going to know what God's will is? Well, he gave it to us right there. If you ask anything according to his will... He says, if you ask anything according to his will, and now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, because we're asking according to his will, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Guaranteed answer to prayer. Some people go, well, I, I, I don't have no guarantee. I don't really know what God's will is. But you can know if you want to. You can know what you're going to have for lunch if you want to know. You don't have to, but you can uh, know. Verse 20 goes on to say, And we know that the Son of God, his name is Jesus, and we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God and now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son. See, the Son, Jesus, is the doorway. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father in heaven except through me. That's what Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you, who rose from the dead, said. It's absolutely the truth. Because we live in fellowship with his son Jesus. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. See, eternal life is not merely, you know, eternal existence. Eternal life is knowing God and eternal life starts now. You can know God now. And you can experience the power of his resurrection now. You can have prayers that are answered now. And we'll live with him throughout all of eternity as well. The great, awesome, the high adventure. Anyhow, it says in verse 21, Dear children, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. 
Turn your back on anything that might take God's place. Is there things and stuff in this world, maybe a relationship, that's trying to take God's place? Uh, it wants to be first place in your life, but not God. The Bible says if you, in Matthew 6, if you seek first God in his kingdom, all the things that you have need of will be added to you. But he says here, this is the Bible. You know, you can look it up for your own self. Verse 21 here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Dear children, keep away, keep away, keep away from anything. What percentage is anything? 100%. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. When you love something more than you love God, mm, that's a no-no. Keep away from that. If you find yourself loving it more than you love God. Anyhow, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, the people who do know their God, not who just know about him, they've read, read a history book about him, but it says the people who do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits, heroic acts and deeds, he says. Uh, the people who know their God are going to do these heroic things, these exploits, these, the people who know their God. Not who just know about him, who learned about him in a history class, but the people who have a relationship with him now. You can know him in the power of his resurrection. You can experience that resurrection power right now. Acts chapter 4 verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? You want to know how this man was healed that everybody saw and talking about and you're so upset with us about doing? Verse 10, Peter says, Well, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And I'm telling you, there's people who get healed in this day and time in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's just the truth of it. The Bible says you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. If, well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to worry. It ain't ever happen for you. Because the Bible tells us all things are possible to those who believe, you see. Anyhow, he says in verse 10, Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And he says in verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no other man, no other woman, no other mountain or tree or whatever you might believe in. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name. It's the name of Jesus. God the Father has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no other way to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way. He said so himself. He is the door. If we reject Jesus, there ain't no way to get there. Verse 13 says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and, and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men but they were on a high adventure with God. 
They saw that they were ordinary men. All the leaders, are, these are just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And these men who had a relationship with Jesus, although they were ordinary, they were doing extraordinary things in this world because Jesus was working with them even as he has ascended into the heavens. He tells us in his word, as we'll go and do what he wants us to do, he'll work with us with signs following. He said that. Read in your own Bible. It says so. Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. It says, Now, therefore, I pray, and this is Moses, Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace... God's enabling power in your sight, O oh God, show me now your way that I may know you. Moses said this, show me that I might know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. See, Moses was on this high adventure of leading God's people out of the bondage of slavery of Egypt into the promised land. And he is saying here, you know, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he, God said, and he said, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. I'm talking about a rest for your soul. I'm not talking about just one good night's sleep. I'm talking about where we can stop striving and stop being hopeless and worried and anxious, where we can have rest for our souls. Anyhow, Jesus, he beckons us to, to join his high adventure. This right here, these three verses are my verses. And y'all can borrow them and use them if you want to. That's what I was telling Susan today. This is my verse. This is my verses for the next year. They are such an inspiration as you read them in the Message Bible. It's life-changing. It's changing me right now. And I cannot wait to have time to dig into these passages a lot deeper. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Listen to what Jesus is saying. And I take it as my very own. He's speaking to me. And you can, by faith, appropriate it for yourself as well. Jesus said, come to me. Get away with me. I hear him beckoning me to a place of solitude where I can just hang out with God and pray and just pour my heart out to him and pray for this world right now and, and my loved ones and my friends and my family and my neighbors where I can just hang out with God and study his word and cause my faith to grow and just hang out in a relationship, not just to think about history, I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. Listen to what he says. Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. You will recover your life. Have you been consumed in something that was just taking your life away? Come to me and get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Yes, Lord. Walk with me and, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The word grace means God's enabling power. His unmerited favor, sure. But the word grace 
is God's enabling power. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforth, unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. God will never overburden you. If you feel yourself getting overwhelmed and overburdened, there's something else coming on you than what God's given you. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, Jesus says. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. You want to learn how to live freely? Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Learn to travel light, not to carry so much stuff it just burdens you and weighs you down. Oh, that's my passage right there. For this coming year, it's fantastic. Read it in the Message Bible. Read it in all the translations, but go back to the Message Bible and hear it. You know, I want to encourage you not to follow the crowd. Now, we know Jesus is the way, and we're going to follow Jesus. We're not going to follow the crowd, but then once we're following Jesus, here's something that uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson he said, he said, don't, do not follow where the path may lead. This is just the worn paths that are in this world. Don't follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. This high adventure, God wants us to lead a path that others can follow and they'll go the right way. Because we're following Jesus, we can leave a path that leads to him and others can follow who are looking for some way to go themselves. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. This is amazing. This is right here in your Bible. Listen to what this says here. He says, 2 Corinthians 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now what percentage is whole? 100%. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. Look it up in your Bible. This is God's word. He says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. He's looking, God's looking all over the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them, men, women, boys and girls, whose heart is perfect toward him. Whose heart is perfect, that word perfect, there it means fully committed. The, whose heart is loyal it's talking about whose heart is whole. A wholehearted man or woman. Wholehearted in their serving of God. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. You know, he's, he's uh, seeking to, to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I'm not talking about puppy love. You like puppies? You love puppies? Oh, they're cute and they're cuddly and you want to scratch them and throw a ball for them and give them something to eat. But see, puppy love mentality, it, it's just looking merely for benefits. What does a puppy want? Pet me, feed me, care for me, do this for me, for me, for me, for me. I'm cute, you're going to love me, take care of me. But it's all about me, me, me. That's puppy love. I'm talking about Jesus, there ain't no puppy love. He he loved you and me so much he gave his life for us to rescue from our sins and to enable us to experience that resurrection power. Same power that raised him from the dead is accessible to you and to me now and it'll take us to heaven one day. It's natural when two people spend time together 
that the person with the weaker personality begins to take on the character of the stronger. You are greatly influenced by those with whom you associate. Remember what it says in Amos chapter 3, verse 3? It says, how can two people walk together unless except they agree? So if you walk with God, you will go stronger. How can two people walk together? If you don't agree, you're going to go north and I'm going to go south. We've got to get an agreement. But when you begin to walk with God, his personality, his character, his, his whole being is going to rub off on us. We're created in his image, are we not? Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1, it says, About that time, Hezekiah, he was a king, he became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah prophet, came to him, son of Amos, and went to visit him, and he gave the king this message from God. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. King, King Hezekiah, set your affairs in order, because you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. And when Hezekiah heard this, what did he do? He turned his face to the wall. He prayed to the Lord. He turned his back on everything else. When the Lord said, get your house in order, you're going to die. You're not going to live. Hezekiah, the king, he turned his back on all the things that used to be important to him. He turned his face to the wall and he began to, to pray and he began to cry out to Almighty God. And everything and everybody that was a distraction, he turned his back on it. To everything. That, that's, that's just what he says right here. He says, set your affairs in order for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to God. Remember, prayer does change everything, you know. Truth of it is, read through that. Not one time did Hezekiah say, oh Lord, please heal me. Oh, Lord, please do this and Lord, do this. He talked about his character. It says in verse 3, and he said, Remember, oh, Lord, how I've always been faithful to you. And we may not have always been faithful. We said, Lord, but I ask you to forgive me. And he always forgives when you ask him to. Remember, oh, Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and I've served you single-mindedly. I mean, just wholeheartedly, always doing what pleases you. And the Bible says without faith you can't please God. So it was a man of faith. And then, Hezekiah, then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Then, the, then this message came to Isaiah. He, he was out there in the courtyard. He had not left uh, Hezekiah's property yet. Then the message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears and I will add 15 years to your life. Prayer made a difference because he turned his back to everything else and he turned his face to the wall. He got alone with God. Verse 6 says, And I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. And this is the sign from the Lord. Here's the sign from the Lord that's going to happen to prove that he will do as he promised. God says, I will cause the shadow, the sun's shadow to move 10 steps backwards. The sun does not move backwards. It moves forward. And it's really not the sun, but it's the earth turning that makes it look that way. I will cause the sun's shadow to move 10 steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. That's the way they had a clock back in them days. 
So the shadow on the sundial moved backwards 10 steps or 10 degrees. And then Hezekiah, he wrote a poem. But I'm telling you, God moves heaven and earth on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. God moves heaven and earth. Do you know what it would take to make the sundial go backwards? I think we might all go flying off the earth. I don't know. But as you study it, and even some of the greatest scientists of all times who figured out how to get rockets up into space and get them back safely with people in them, they incorporated the information here in the Bible to make the whole computer system work. That's absolutely amazing. You know? Are there situations in your life that seems to be hopeless? Like Hezekiah, he was going to die. God said you're going to die. When God says it, well, then you really are in a pickle. But he cried out to God and he turns back on everything else that might distract him from God. And he cried out to God. He declared what God's word had said for him to do and the things that he had been doing. Well, anyhow, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, we never give up. We never give up. Do you give up too easily? We never give up. Though our bodies are dying, just because we're getting older, our spirits are being renewed every day through a relationship with God and by feeding upon his word, our spirits are being renewed every day. And it says in verse 17, for our present troubles. Hey guys, do we have any present troubles right now? Maybe this coronavirus, this pandemic that's going on, maybe our economy, maybe potentials of war. I mean, all the crazy things that's going on in our world right now. It says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I didn't say that. That's God's word. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. See, a life of faith looks past the troubles and turns our face to the wall where we're just looking at God, thinking about God, talking to God, and turning our back on any and everything that can you know, steal God's place in our life. It's really important that we grasp a hold of this. This is a secret place. Verse 18 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze. That's our faith. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen with your natural eyes. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. You can see them through faith. For the things we see now will soon be gone. The virus and all, the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, eternal things, the promises in God's word will last forever. You remember Abraham in the Bible, Old Testament? Abraham talked about looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That's talking about our, our heavenly dwelling. He was talking, that's what I'm looking for. Can't see my natural eye. I can see it with my heart and my spiritual eye. What are you talking about? This is what it says in James chapter 5, verse 16. The second part of the verse, it says, the prayer. Do you pray at all? He says here, the prayer of a person living right with God, if you want your prayers to be answered, here's a secret. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with person living right with God, your prayers are something to be reckoned with. Let me read to you out of the New Living Translation. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous man, that's a person who's right with God, a person, 
an earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Picking up in the next verse, verse 17. Elijah, for instance, human. This great, fantastic prophet, this man of God. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain and it did. The showers came and everything started growing again. When all's been said and done, there's only one thing that really, really ultimately matters. Do you know God? I'm talking about a high adventure where you know God and you experience his resurrection power now and then throughout all eternity. Are you ready to face eternity? Are you ready to face eternity? It's a, it's a, it's a real genuine question. Are you ready to face eternity. Listen to what it says here in John chapter 15, verse 4. It says, live in me. This is Jesus talking again. He's telling me this, and he's telling you that. He says, live in me in a relationship with me. I, this is not just a historical book. This is the living word of God. He who created us made sure, made sure that there was a, a manufacturer's handbook that we would have access to to build our faith and give us direction for all eternity. And Jesus said, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself. And I got a grapevine at home right now. And you cut that branch off, it ain't going to produce no grapes. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Jesus said he is, he is the vine and we're the branches. And we got to stay connected to him so we can be successful and prosperous and fruitful. Jesus says in verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. Live in me. Stay connected to me so the life sap of the Holy Spirit can flow from me to you. I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, the relation intent, intimate and organic, this relation, the harvest is sure to be abundant. This is a high adventure. Separated from me, you know, separate the, the branch from the vine, separated, you can't produce a thing. You just can't. John Bailey said, I thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast so set eternity within my heart that no earthly thing can ever satisfy me wholly. He said, there ain't nothing new, nothing new on TV, on the, on the Internet, nothing new on Amazon. There's nothing new anywhere that's more important to me than you are. Nothing fully satisfies me like my relationship with you. And I tell you, the older I get... And the more my friends and my family, my loved ones who's in heaven, I'm going to tell you, heaven is a lot more realer to me. It, it, is, it is real. And my loved ones are there. And they're waiting one day when I'll join them there. And I'm going to kick off my shoes and I'm going to slide down them streets of gold on my sock feet. It is something to look forward to. But there's a lot of stuff that tries to steal our heart while we're down here on this whole earth. Let me go back to John 15, verse 6. It says, anyone who separates from me, this is Jesus talking, anyone who separates himself from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown into the bonfire. 
But if you make yourself at home in me, he's talking about making yourself at home in your relationship with him. If you make yourself at home in me, with me, and my words are at home in you, that's the Bible, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. Live near to God. And all things will appear little. All the things that seem so discouraging and so frightening, when you live near to God, all the other stuff appears to be so little in comparison to eternal things. I'm just telling you, that's just the way it is. There's an old song we used to sing, but... Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. The devil will do his best to steal your attention and your heart and your affections and get it on anything other than upon Jesus. He is the Savior. He's the one who gave his life for you and for me. Now some people say that there are five points on the compass. North, south, east, and west. North, south, east, that's, that's four. But some people, and I believe there are, there are five places on the compass. There's north and south and east and west. And the fifth one is where you're at. <laughs> when you get out of your car to take a hike, you better look at your compass and see where you're at and then where you're going to be at two miles from there. And you'll know where you're at so you can figure out to go back home. I came north, so I'm going to have to turn around and go south. <laughs> north, south, east, and west. And you got to know where you're at. Do you know where you're at in your relationship with God? Are you close to him? Because he's inviting you to be close to him in a relationship. And he's, he's texting us all the time. Texting us, speaking to us, showing us his will, revealing his love for us. Or do you know that you're a, way, a long ways off from God? We've got to figure that out so we can get on the right course and follow Jesus is what I'm talking about. One final passage, and then we're going to close. It says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, in the message, uh, it says, God's message, don't let the wise brag of their wisdom, and don't let heroes brag of their exploits, and don't let the rich brag of their riches. If you brag, brag of this, and this only, that you understand and know me. That's what the Bible says. You want to brag about something? You brag about the fact that you know God. I didn't say that. He says that. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. And he goes on to say, verse 24, if you brag, brag of this and this only that you understand, understand by reading and studying his book, that you understand and know me, you got a relationship with me, I'm God, and I act in loyal love. I do what's right and set things right and fair and delight in those who do the same things. These are my trademarks. 
What was those trademarks again? Act in loyal love. Do what's right. Set things right and fair. Delight in those who do the same thing. Do you have the trademarks that God has in his life? And that is what you read it on through there. It says, this is God's decree. I have spoken, says God. He wants you to brag about one thing only, that you know him, that you got a relationship with him. Because all the other stuff really don't matter. Finally, I come to the conclusion. Lord Joseph Duvin, American head of the art firm that bore his name, planned in 1915 to send one of his experts to England to examine some ancient pottery. He booked passage on the... How'd you say that, dear? Lusitania. I need to put my glasses on. Lusitania. He booked passage on the Lusitania. Then the German embassy issued a warning that the liner might be torpedoed. Duvin wanted to call off the trip. I can't take the risk of your being killed. He said to his young employee, Oh, don't worry, said the man. I'm a strong swimmer. And when I read that this was happening in the Atlantic, I began to harden myself by spending time every day in a tub of ice water. At first, I could sit only a few minutes, but this morning, I stayed in that tub of ice water nearly two hours. Naturally, Devin laughed. It sounded preposterous, but his expert employee sailed. And the Lustania was torpedoed. And the young man was rescued after nearly five hours. This is history. Five hours in the chilly ocean. Still in excellent condition. Just as this young man did, so we as believers in Christ, we should condition ourselves by practicing devotional discipline behavior to discipline discipleship. We should practice, as this man did with the cold water, devotional discipline behavior. What are we doing? Are we reading our Bible? Do we have devotions with God? Do we sing an old hymn, an old biblical song? Do we write our own song? Do we pray to him? Do we talk to him? Do we do what the scripture says? Hey, come on away with me. Take a walk with me. Spend some time with me. I'm talking about not being lonely. What's that other word? Instead of being lonely when you go up on the mountain by yourself? Do you know what I'm talking about? Solitude. Have you learned to have solitude, time with God where you can pour out your heart to him, but he'll speak to you? And he speaks to us most often through a text. He texts us all the time. And it's so relevant. And it's so powerful. Oh, that I might know him and experience the power of the resurrection. It's available to you and me. Oh, this is so, so wonderful. There's just so much in the Bible that where he is beckoning you and me into a close relationship. And if you want it, who knows what's going on in this world right now? I'm not quite sure. But I know God's going to take care of us one way or another. I know he's crazy for us. I know he loves us. And I believe with all my heart that God so loved the world, John 3, 16, 
that he gave his only son, Jesus. And we know he died on a cross. And whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Forgiveness, salvation, heaven comes through Jesus. He is the door. He is the way. Do you have that down pat today? Are you sure you are forgiven? Are you sure your name is written in the book of life? Do you hunger for it? I want you to pray with me right now and welcome Jesus into your life as your Savior, your Lord, and your King. Maybe you already know him. Just reaffirm your faith. Maybe if you've drifted off course, it's time to get back on course. Maybe you've never even knew about it. Let's just declare your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Would you join me? You can pray out loud right where you're at. If you're more comfortable praying quietly, that's okay. But pray with your heart and invite Jesus into your life. Become that branch that's now attached to the vine so that life can flow into you. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he died in my place. When he shed his blood on that cross. And I believe after three days that he rose from the dead. And he is alive forevermore. He's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask your blessings on the men and the women, the boys and girls who are listening to this message, who are watching this message, and you know what their needs are, Father God. Reveal your resurrection power to them. Meet their needs. Comfort their hearts. Provide what it is that they're lacking. Meet their needs, whatever it might be, in relationships, in finances, in, in health, in, in jobs, in careers, homes, cars, whatever it is. Almighty God, I ask you for a miracle for my brothers and sisters. Reveal to them how much you love them. And Lord, just forgive them and change their hearts. Give them the assurance of forgiveness and of salvation. Restore unto us all the joy of your salvation, O Lord God. And just cause your word to become alive and give us a, an appetite like a hungry man has <laughs> to feed upon your word that our faith would grow. I commit each and every one to you in Jesus' name.